Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome to River Glen. Uh, you guys excited to be here? You having a good day? In a good mood? Good, good. I'm glad to be here, and, and we're in uh, Life on Mission. It's a series that we're uh, continuing. It's based on a book by Tim Harlow. Big idea of Life on Mission is that uh, God calls us not just to follow Jesus, but to help other people follow Jesus. Tim uh, gives a five-step uh, process in his, in his book, and step number one is to connect with uh, people who are far from God, can't isolate ourselves from them, and then we serve them, we show kindness to them. This week we're going to talk about it, eventually we get a chance to open up and share more with them, and then comes growth, and uh, then comes uh, prayer. But actually I want to begin today by uh, talking with you, telling you about uh, one of my favorite restaurants. Uh, my wife Marnie and I, we've got three kids, and I would say this is our family's favorite restaurant. Uh, up uh, until recently, uh, there, weren't any, there weren't any of these restaurants in, our, in the Milwaukee or Waukesha area. They were mostly down south, and so when we go down to Kentucky or Tennessee to visit family, we would stop at this uh, restaurant, sometimes once, sometimes twice, you know, sometimes more than that. And then a few years ago, they came out and announced that they're going to open one of these restaurants in, in Brookfield, which was just a glorious moment uh, for, for our family and our friends who knew what it would, who knew what it would uh, uh, be like. And so we started talking a lot about it. We started telling other people about it. And the general reaction that we got from other people was, what? Because they'd never been there. They didn't know what it was like. They didn't know how good it could, it could be. And then they opened it up and, and, and they went and they experienced uh, the beauty and the wonder of Chick-fil-A, yeah, the ultimate chicken sandwich, yeah, yeah, a few Chick-fil-A fans uh, here. Here's something I know about all of us. You've got something like this in your life, something that you love, okay? Maybe it's, maybe it's a chicken sandwich or, I don't know, maybe it's a movie or a TV series or maybe it's a vacation spot that you visited. You know, you went there, you enjoyed it, and now you want to tell other people about it because you want them to discover it and enjoy it as well. And the truth is, for many people, that happened right where you are, are, are sitting. You didn't think it could happen in, in church. Uh, maybe, maybe you went kicking and screaming the first time. Maybe they had to bribe you, you know, the first time to come here and offer, offer to buy you lunch or, or, or dinner. You didn't think it'd be helpful. You didn't think it'd be exciting. And somehow it ended up being better than you thought it would be. And something happened where God got a hold of you. And God's grace just overcame you and changed your marriage, changed your family, changed your life. And now you find yourself in a position where you want other people to know about it. You want other people to experience it as well. But you don't know, you don't really know how to do that. And as a result, many of us uh, go another direction and we just keep quiet. We keep to ourselves and we decide, you know what, I'll just keep living my life. I'll keep going to church. And if anybody wants to know about it, they can ask me about it. There's other people more extroverted, I'm more introverted. I'll just leave it up to the pastors to talk about that kind of stuff, but I'm just gonna keep to myself. But the truth of the matter is, there's one emotion at the heart of those kinds of comments, and that emotion is fear. We're scared. We're scared if we talk about our faith, somebody might ask us a question and we won't know the answer. We're scared that if you know, we share our faith, uh, people, will, people in the neighborhood might assume that we think we're perfect and we're, we'll look like a hypocrite. We're, we're scared that if we talk about our church and our cul-de-sac, people might uh, consider us the Ned Flanders of the uh, neighborhood. And so we just keep to ourselves. We don't say anything. But let me ask you something. What if sharing your faith was as easy 
as talking about a chicken sandwich. What if sharing your faith was done in such a way that it wasn't about debating or arguing or winning a battle? What if it was about just being a friend to somebody? I mean, what if you had the chance to make somebody's, uh, to change somebody's eternal uh, destiny? Wouldn't you want to do it? Now, I know right now in the room, there's basically three groups of, of, of people. You know, there are those of you that maybe started attending recently. You met Jesus. You got baptized. And it has changed. It has made a difference in your life. And you want everybody to know about it, but you're not really sure how to go about doing that. I hope today helps you learn how to do that. And then there's another group of people here that have been following Jesus for a long time, maybe so long that you don't really even know anybody who doesn't follow Jesus, let alone share your faith with them. Well, I hope today's service encourages you to get on mission and help other people discover the love and the faith that you've discovered. And maybe some of you here have stayed away from church because of someone else's aggressive approach, trying to cram their beliefs down your throat. And if that happened to you, I, I'm, a, I'm sorry, I want to apologize. That, that's not the heart of Jesus. That's not how scripture teaches us to talk about our faith. And so today we're going to learn how God wants us to help our friends and families uh, discover the love and the, 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 the grace of Jesus that we have uh, discovered. To help us learn how, how God wants to do that, I want to share a couple lessons with you about fishing. Fishing. Um, how many of you, you know, go fishing? Maybe, maybe it's a hobby that you, uh, that you do. Yeah, several of you. Fishing's pretty common, I think, in, in Wisconsin. We've got a lot of lakes. You know, we live near, uh, right now we're near the lake country. Uh, we've got uh, rivers around here. This church is called, that's why this church is called uh, River Glen. A few years ago, I went uh, up north with my uh, youngest son, a couple of his friends, and uh, they, they were fishing off the pier. And uh, here's the fish that my son caught. Now, that's probably a small fish for uh, many of you. That's like a huge catch. Uh, for us. That was, that was just really an exciting moment. For some of us, fishing is a hobby. It's a sport. But back in first century Palestine, fishing was a way of life. People depended on fishing to earn a living. And so Jesus got to know some fishermen. He built a friendship with these guys and he challenged these guys to fish for something much bigger uh, than just, just fish. If you have a Bible uh, with you, or maybe it's on your phone, uh, open it up, or you can open it up, you can turn it on to Mark chapter 1. And we're going to learn a few lessons from fishing that I think will help us, starting with verse 16. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Today, I want to share two lessons with you from that passage. I think that can help us share uh, what we've discovered about Jesus with our friends and family. First of all, I love the way the scripture begins. Jesus is just, what's he doing? He's just walking along the shore of the Sea of, of, of Galilee, interacting with people that he would have known. A couple years ago, I had the opportunity to go to the, to the Holy Land, Israel, and, and visit the Sea of Galilee and other places in Israel. And you know what? I would say the Sea of Galilee uh, was, was, was probably one of the top three places that impacted me uh, the most because I learned, I, I learned that Jesus actually spent most of his time in his ministry uh, living around, hanging around, interacting with people around the Sea of uh, Galilee. And so this is not the first time that, that he met these guys. They had they'd spent time together. Maybe Jesus fished with them in the past. Jesus has a very normal relationship 
with these guys. You know, we tend to think of Jesus and the big events of his life. But many of the stories, many of the scriptures that we read about Jesus just show, just show him interacting with people on an everyday basis. Hanging out in a city, going to a wedding, sitting by a well, having conversations with people. Which teaches us this lesson when it comes to helping other people discover the love and the faith that we have discovered. And that is this, the best fishing happens in our everyday life. The best fishing, as Jesus explains it here, happens in our everyday life. I love the work of uh, Billy Graham and uh, Greg Laurie and other pastors that hold these uh, crusades and big stadiums. There's a lot of tremendous fruit that comes as a result of that. But you know what I think the danger is? Is a picture of Greg Laurie. Is when we begin to think that's the only way to do it. That's the only way to share Jesus with other people on a big scale in a stadium or a little smaller scale in a church. Because truthfully, the best fishing happens in everyday life, in, in, in your workplace, uh, uh, with the people that you, that you live with, with the people that you live next to, your everyday normal kind of living. That's the best place to help connect people to Jesus. In fact, Jesus was so ordinary and normal. Think about this. They had to pay somebody 30 pieces of silver to point him out so that they could arrest him because he just blended in with everybody else. I heard somebody say when it comes to understanding how to, how to share your faith with people, don't think that you got to be perfect. Just be yourself. So in other words, if you have some people over uh, for dinner, don't think that that, that means that you got to play some Christian music and, you know, wear a suit and serve communion. You know, don't do that. You know, just be normal. Because the best fishing happens in, every, in, in your everyday kind of life. Uh, Marnie and I just moved into a new house in in city of Waukesha. And uh, we've got to know some new neighbors. We've really enjoyed getting to know these new people. But right after we uh, got all our stuff moved in, uh, we left for vacation. We had this vacation planned out uh, several months in advance. And so we squeezed the move in a few days before we left on vacation for nine uh, days. But we didn't think about how this would look to our neighbors. We, we were busy. We didn't even tell anybody. And so very early in the morning, uh, my aunt picks us up, takes us to the airport. We left all three cars, you know, in the driveway. And I forgot to hold the newspaper, you know, and they, and they piled up in the uh, driveway uh, every day. And uh, we got home nine days later, late Saturday night, very late, like 1030. And all of a sudden, somebody's knocking on the door. And it's our new neighbor, uh, Bob. And uh, he brought over the mail. He was nice enough to collect our mail for us and, and some packages at our door. But I could tell something was bothering him. And he says, we all worried about you guys. You know, we thought maybe there was carbon monoxide poisoning going on here. We looked through the windows to see if there were any bodies laying on the floor. So, like, we created this death scare. <laughs> we laughed about it. And I'm sorry that we, you know, got, got everybody worried about us. We'll be sure to remember to tell them uh, next time. But I'm glad, you know what, I'm glad they were looking out for us and uh, getting to know us and caring uh, about us. I can see why some of the best fishing really happens in everyday life. And so Jesus walks along the Sea of Galilee as he interacts with these guys, that, he, that he's built relationships uh, with them. Then I want you to notice something that happens here. It's kind of interesting. Jesus challenges them in a little bit of a surprising way. He says, come and follow uh, me. And then, you know, I want to pause right here. I want you to imagine that you're at a coffee shop and you're sitting across from Jesus. 
and, he's, and he looks you in the eye and he says, come follow me. And, and you're waiting for that next line. And you're thinking, you know, here it comes. I will make you holy. I will make you more religious. I will make you stop cussing. Or maybe you're thinking, I'll make you a better husband. I'll make you a better mother. I'll make you more wealthy. But instead, here's what Jesus says here. Come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. I will make you fish for for people. In other words, Jesus says, when you choose to follow me, I will help you help others follow me. I find it so interesting. Isn't it fascinating that Jesus says that first? More than, I will will, uh, help you worship me better. I will help you know more about me. I will help you teach better. No, I will help you help others to follow me. In other words, you used to fish for fish, and now you're going to fish for people. So here's a second lesson for us. A call to follow Jesus is a call to fish. A call to follow is a call to fish. Now, many people think, oh, that's the pastor's job, or that's somebody else's gifting. But Jesus says right here up front, if you're going to follow me, you're going to fish for people. You're going to, come, you're going to help more people come to know me. You know, it's startling. When you, when, you, when you hear the statistics, I don't know if you've heard these before, but they tell us that when, when somebody starts going to church and, and, and believing in Jesus and they get baptized and they get connected to a church, in less than two years, they no longer have any friends who don't follow Jesus. And it's not because, you know, they helped all of them find Jesus. It's because they've isolated themselves from people who don't follow uh, Jesus. Now, some of you might think, well, that's a good thing because I don't want that negative influence in my life. Well, I understand that, but the problem is if the only people that you know are people who already love Jesus, you're not going to be able to get on mission with Jesus and help connect more people to him because a call to follow Jesus is a call to fish. I'll tell you, this is really challenging to me. This, this message and really this series has been very challenging to me because I love River Glen. I spend most of my time you know, here in this building with people who already uh, follow Jesus. I don't really spend that much time outside uh, of River Glen with, with uh, people who don't uh, follow Jesus. And sometimes in the past I've told myself, well, I work for a church. I'm going to help other people do this. This is something uh, for other people to do, somebody who's more extroverted, more gifted than I am. But the call for everyone who follows Jesus, including pastors, is a call to fish you know, I love the point that uh, Tim Harlow made a couple weeks ago. He said that, uh, you know, you can, you, you, can do, you can do whatever you want in heaven. You know, you can do whatever you want. You can do it better in heaven. You can pray better in heaven because, you know, Jesus is right there. You can sing better in heaven. You can have better relationships in heaven. You can do everything in heaven except two things. Sin and tell other people about Jesus because everybody in heaven already knows about Jesus. And so which of those two things do you think Jesus, God left us here to do? Certainly not sin, right? God left us here because he waits patiently for those who are far from him to come to him. And the best way for that to happen is for you and I to decide to fish. The danger for Jesus' followers is this. We get so consumed, some of us get so consumed with Bible studies and volunteering and groups and ministry teams, which are all excellent, which are all great things. But we, but we can overlook, we can overlook this fact that a call to follow Jesus is a call 
to fish. I heard one guy say it this way. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you're either a missionary or an imposter. Because a call to follow is a call to fish. And so let me ask you, what if you could make an impact on somebody's eternity? What if you could change somebody's eternal destiny? Wouldn't you want to do it? Now, maybe you wonder, well, how do I do this? How do I fish for people? Do I just act normal and hope that they uh, get it? How do I share what I've discovered about Jesus? Well, I want to give you four easy, simple, practical ways to help other people discover the love and grace of Jesus that you have uh, discovered. Here's the first action step, and that is to invest. You've got to invest in people. I love what Rick Warren says. You, I, I've, I've never led an enemy to Christ. It's a great point, isn't it? See, we've got to become friends first before we invite someone to know our faith. And that's why I'm not a big fan of, you know, door-to-door cold calls or, you know, leaving gospel tracts on the table at the restaurant after you dine uh, because the, there's, there's no investment there. There's no relationship uh, there. The best place to start is with the people in your world. That doesn't mean you just stick to that uh, list of people that you know already because that, could, that list could be small and maybe everybody on that list already knows Jesus. And so you got to decide, I'm going to move outside my comfort zone a little bit. I'm going to get to know some other people that maybe I normally wouldn't hang out with, whether it's other people at school or people at work or in your neighborhood. Maybe it's people way down the street from you. But you make the conscious decision that I'm going to start praying for those people. I'm going to start investing in them. And this is not, you know, I want to get to know you so that I can manipulate you. This is, I'm going to choose to love some people who may not know the love of God. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to show kindness to them. I'm going to to share my life with them. In fact, Scripture says that all of us come to Jesus because of the kindness of God. There's a Scripture that that says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. And so before anybody's going to take that step of faith, they need somebody to show them the kindness of God. And that starts with investing in people and pouring your life into them. Let me ask you, do you know anybody who's not a follower of of Jesus? Do you know your neighbors? Or maybe you're like me. I come home and, you know, hit the button on my remote, the garage door goes up, I pull in, I push the button, the, the door goes down, I go inside, I lock the door, and don't speak to anybody. What if instead, you know, we walked across and engaged with our neighbors? What if, we, what if you create moments to talk with them or eat with them? What if you invite them over for, for, for dinner? Because inevitably what happens as you begin to care for those people, as you begin to love those people, you know what happens? They begin to care about you. They begin to love you. And here's what begins to happen. Eventually, they look at you and they say, hey, what church do you guys go to? Tell me about that place. Or they say, you know, you have something in your life that I don't have. Or maybe you take somebody to lunch and they say, would you help me figure out how to lower the stress level in my life? Because I think you have something in your life that I don't have. And that never would have happened if you hadn't invested in them. The best thing any of us can do to help other people connect to Jesus is for us to act like Jesus. And that begins with kindness. That begins with investing in them. The second part of the process, after you invest, eventually you invite uh, them. At some point, there's going to become an opportunity to invite them to something. And notice I didn't say sit down and you know, read the entire Bible to them. Or draw them a diagram to show them how they're on their way to hell. 
I'm suggesting that you partner with River Glen and you invite them to something here at church so you don't have to feel this pressure to just explain everything that you believe to them. You can, you can just be their friend, okay? And at some point, the opportunity will come up. At some point, something will happen around the church and you're going to think, oh, you know, I know them so well. I know they would love this event. And you tell them about it. You invite them to it. One of the best ways to do this is to invite somebody to a weekend service. You know, each week we uh, design these services, these weekend services with you and your friend in mind. We choose our words very carefully because we don't want somebody to feel like they're this outsider here. And, and so we're trying to help you connect your friends to the faith that you have. Our weekend services are a great way uh, to do that. Give them an invite card. We've got a bunch of these at the Welcome Center. It tells them the different service times. Ask them, you know, which service are you, you, do you think you're going to be going to? I'll meet you there. Uh, our, my kids can take your kids uh, back to uh, kid life. Sometimes it's those little things that can bridge the gap. Invite them to a weekend service or invite them to an event. We've got some great events coming up, like the uh, Matthew West concert uh, next week. If they like music, this would be a great event to bring them to. We've got Trunk or Treat uh, coming up after that, which is a huge outreach uh, event. You could decorate a trunk and help us uh, reach out. You could bring a guest uh, with you. Uh, Trunk or Treat is, is, a, is, is mostly an outdoor event. If you bring a guest, have them come inside the building. Show them around so that they're familiar with it. It disarms them, helps them relax, and they're more likely to, to come. Uh, the next time. Another way to invite someone. We're really excited about this. We're, we're launching what we're calling an online campus beginning Sunday, October 29th. We're going to begin live streaming our services on Sundays at 9 uh, or, and, and 1030 online. We're, we're, we're going to have people hosting it online. And it's a great way to introduce someone new to River Glen. And uh, hopefully it will lead them uh, to come to our physical campus. So you invest with somebody. You just be friends with them. And when you feel like the opportunity is right, and it's not a debate, it's not an argument, you invite them uh, to something around here that you think that would speak to their life. And then afterward, ask them what they thought. And you'll be amazed at how the conversation flows from there. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, you know, what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer? That's a great question to ask, and here's probably the best way to handle that. Just say to them, I'm, I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure about the answer to that, but I'll find out. And a great resource is a little book it's called Letters from a Skeptic. Very interesting book. It's about a father who was not a believer and a son who was a believer. The father would send a letter to his son asking him questions about faith, and the son would respond and send a letter to his father, and they took all these letters and put them together in a book. You can even pick out your question, and uh, you don't necessarily have to read the whole, the whole book. It's a great resource for helping us explain our faith. But then sometimes people ask a more personal uh, question, like, okay, so, you know, how has believing in God changed your life? How has attending church made a difference in your life? How has Jesus changed your life? And it really, really helps if you're able, if you're ready to share your story. Now, there are uh, many ways, you know, to share your story. Uh, there are good ways, and then there are bad ways, okay? And uh, for fun and, and to teach us, our, our team here is going to demonstrate how to ruin your spiritual story, okay? How not uh, to tell people about uh, Jesus. You know, one thing that can go wrong is maybe, you know, Jesus has done so much in your life, you want to just tell people everything 
okay? And the problem with that is that can take a very uh, short story and make it uh, very, very long. And uh, Deb and Jeremy are going to demonstrate what that might look like. So, Deb, all this God church stuff, you seem to be really into it. Why? I am so thrilled that you asked. It's a fascinating story. You see, I grew up with this aunt, and I just loved her. I loved her. She was such a cool lady. But, you know, she was always, you know, dragging me to church, and I hated that. But, but I liked her. She was a cheerleader in high school, and I was a cheerleader. And, well, that was before I, I went to college. Well, I bet you didn't know that I attended on a full-ride scholarship to Northeastern State. <laughs> yeah, go Tigers. <laughs> well, before that whole college thing, my family moved to Tucson, loved the city, hate the weather, and that's where I met my husband. Well, you know, we were, <laughs> we were childhood sweethearts. Oh my gosh, we were like high school sweethearts, but you know, it was a really hilarious story because I actually fell in love with his best friend first. But you know, it's a long story and I won't tell you, but. I'll, let me tell you the shortened version, okay? Well, there we were at the high school football game. And so I'm, I'm on this cliff, and I'm just yelling, God's help me! You know, they drained a quart of fluid off of my right knee, and I told my husband right then and there, don't ever take me bungee jumping in Mexico again. And so... I knew right then and there that God came into my life and he, he saved me and I have just never been the same. Wow. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. I, I just get so excited about this that I just, blah, I spit it out. All right. Yeah, thank you. That's why we say... Keep that story. Keep your story about Jesus, how you came to faith. Keep it short, okay? Keep it brief. Keep it simple. Now, another way a story can go wrong is that some people have a tendency to tell what has been called a weird God story, all right? And, uh, you know, this is where you tell a story. Maybe it's meaningful to you, but it doesn't make much sense to the other person. And uh, Kim and Charity are going to show us what that looks like. So I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. This whole God thing seems to mean a lot to you. What's the story there? All right, are you ready to have your mind blown? Sure. June 21st, 2003, the summer solstice. I'm sitting there alone in my studio apartment eating breakfast. I just poured myself this huge bowl of cinnamon toast crunch, you know, little cereals with the cinnamon swirls. Oh, so good. Anyways, so I'm about to take another bite of it, and I notice that one of the cereals looks a little abnormal. I turn my spoon to get a better look at it, and in that moment, the light from the window strikes that cinnamon swirl just right. I can see it plain as day. The face of Jesus Christ. It's staring right back at me. I mean, of course, I drop my spoon. I fall to my knees. I cry out to God right then and there. And my hips, my hips felt a tingling. I don't know what happened, honestly, but to this day, I have followed him ever since. That's unbelievable. Yeah, well, do you want to hear the crazy part? No. Well, when I got back to my cereal bowl, the milk had turned to wine. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. You know, don't tell that weird God story, okay? Uh, just stick to the basics of what God has really done to change your life. All right, one more way that, uh, you know, your spiritual story can go bad, and that is you use language, Christianese, 
and people who don't go to church uh, don't understand it. Take a look. So, Jeremy, it seems like God really means a lot to you. What, tell me a little bit about that. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's actually quite a blessing to be able to share this with you. See, I've been seeking God's face about this very thing. See, for me, it began when I was born for a second time. You know, born again. But, you know, I knew that Jesus had to come live inside of me, and I had to become a new creature for that to happen. I mean, old wine, new wineskin, doesn't match. Anyway, so the old me died, and the new me it was resurrected with Christ. And then I understood that all the blessings of Abraham, well, they were mine. And that's when I got real excited. You see, you know, I was redeemed from the curse of the law. My heart, it's been circumcised, and yours can too. If you want, we could pray about this, and I can have you washed in the blood in less than 30 seconds. Does it hurt? <laughs> Let's give him a hand. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, 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 there's wrong ways to uh, tell your story. Uh, and, but, but you want to be ready to share your story because you know what? Your story, everybody that follows Jesus has a story. And your story is, is very powerful because you know what? You're an expert on it and nobody can argue with it because it really happened uh, to you. And so you want to be prepared to share your, your, your story. It's kind of like telling somebody about a new diet. You know, if somebody tells you that, about this new diet that's changed their life, you want to know, well, what, 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 what were you like before and after? How much weight, you know, have you lost? And it's the same with our spiritual story. People want to know, what was your life like before Jesus? What's your life like after Jesus? You know, for example, before Jesus, I felt worried and gripped by fear. And now I've got peace in my heart, and I can relax. Before Jesus, I lacked direction in my life. I was like a boat you know, without a rudder. But now I've got clear purpose and direction. Before Jesus, I felt empty and dissatisfied. I was on this endless search for fulfillment, but now I feel content and joyful. It doesn't have to be dramatic. It just needs to be true, coherent, and brief, and it'll be powerful because it is your story. It really happened to you. So how has Jesus changed your life? I got a little, I got a little challenge for you, a little assignment for you. I'd love for you to do this. I want you to write it out in a hundred words. What was your life like before Jesus? What's your life like after Jesus? Really, really boil, this will force you to really boil it down to a hundred words or, or less. And I'd love for you to write it down, to, and to email it to me. Here's my email address. Send it over. Uh, I'd love to, to, to read it and uh, give you some, maybe give you some feedback, and I think it'll help us be prepared to share Jesus with others. All right, one more way, one last simple and easy action step that, can, that, can, uh, that you can do today is, is, is to decide to pray for somebody. Identify somebody in your life that you can start praying for, that they would come to know Jesus. And the prayer isn't, you know, God, make them a Christian, because God doesn't force anything on anybody, but God, would you just open up their heart to be sensitive to you, to ask questions, and God, would you allow me to be part of their, part of their conversation about you? On your way in, I think somebody handed you a card, uh, looks like this, would you go ahead and take that out? And what I want you to do with it is, I want you to write somebody's name, okay, on the front, or you can write it on the back, somebody that you know who needs Jesus in their life, and you're going to start praying 
uh, for them. And then I want you to put this card somewhere where you'll see it. Maybe, maybe in your mirror, you know, in your bathroom, maybe in your car, maybe it's in your, in your office. And every time you see that card, take 10 seconds to pray for that individual. That God would give you an opportunity to help them on their spiritual journey. I want to show you a picture of a guy who's really good at uh, fishing for people. This guy's a great example of uh, fishing uh, for, for people. This is a picture from uh, several years ago, and you're probably wondering, you know, what's, what's Ben doing wearing a suit? You know, <laughs> Ben doesn't wear a, a, a suit. Well, this is, a, this is at a funeral uh, here at River Glen. This is actually at my mom's funeral uh, several years ago. And the guy next to me, his name's Howard Salmon, and uh, believe it or not, he's 87 years old in this picture. He looks great uh, for 87. And he drove by himself seven hours from southern uh, Illinois to come to my mom's uh, funeral. Here's, here's why he drove that far. Many years ago, back in the 1950s, my parents got married. They were not followers of Jesus. And they bought a house in West Dallas right next door to Howard and his wife Shirley. Howard was a leader in a local new church. And Howard and Shirley invested in my parents. They invited them over for, for meals. They would often go over there and play cards with them. They both had children the same age, and they became very close friends. And my parents began to realize that Howard and Shirley had something that they didn't have. And then Howard and Shirley invited my oldest brother, who was just a little kid at that time, uh, to summer camp at a local church with their daughter. And they gave my brother a part in the play. And then they invited my parents to come and watch the play at this church. And my parents never stopped attending and they accepted Jesus and so did my uh, oldest brother. And I just thought it was so great. It just meant so much to me that uh, 50 years later, Howard Solomon comes to my mom's funeral and we can celebrate her life and take comfort knowing that she is, is with Jesus. But I want you to put yourself in Howard's shoes. What would it be like to be a Howard? Wouldn't it be great to be a Howard in somebody else's life, the person God uses to connect somebody else to Jesus by investing in them and inviting and sharing and praying for them. That's our mission right there. So I want you to take a moment and I'll give you a little bit of time and I want you to really think about the people in your life uh, right now and uh, write down somebody's name you know, on the card that you'll stop and you'll start praying for him or her. I'm going to give you just a moment to do this. I'm going to do this uh, too. And uh, Morgan's going to play a little bit of music. And in just a moment, um, I'm going to close our service uh, with prayer. Let me pray for us, and, uh, and I'll, I'll close our service. God, I thank you for the call to fish, because it reminds us that someone fished for us, and somebody helped us find you. I pray that you would put somebody's name on our heart right now to write on this card and to pray for them. And I pray, God, that we would get to see how you answer that prayer by opening up their heart to know more about you. God, God, would you provide an opportunity for us to invite them and to connect to you? Would you give us your heart for those who don't know you? And uh, we pray this. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Have a great week, uh, everybody. And uh, we'll see you next week as we continue Life on Mission. And uh, don't forget RG5 over by the fireplace.